Hello everyone, it's your girls from Bad Apple, Helen and Riley, and we're here with our last episode of 2021. Aww, it's gone so quick. We started the year on episode 18, and this one will be episode 45, and I'm not good enough at maths to figure out if that's 27 or 28 episodes. 28 including this one, I think. Don't look at me. (laughs) Next thing on the agenda is... We received our Spotify wrapped for our podcast. We were actually 47 people's number one podcast. Crazy. That's a whole lot of people to be listening a lot to us. Yeah, I was not expecting that at all. Funnily enough, of those 47 people, my boyfriend was not one. What about you? (laughs) No, not me either. I was third for him. No, I was fourth. Oh, maybe they listened to us enough. They don't need to hear our voice extra times during the week. (laughs) It's true. That's true. We'll give them that. We'll give them that. But we will say thank you to everyone who listened to us. Yeah. But especially those 47 people, our number one stands. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I know it's a little bit past wrapped season, but if you do want to share your wrapped, if you were looking for an excuse to share your wrapped on the gram... Tag us in your post so yes. we can repost. Reveal yourselves. Yeah, who are you? We've only met one confirmed yes. member. Of the VIP. <laughs> the VIP. Community. <laughs> yes, I would love to know who the rest of you are. Hmm. Don't be embarrassed. If you don't want to make a story, just tell us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let us know. Shoot us a DM. <laughs> yeah. All right, so finally, it's nearly Christmas time. By the time this comes out, it'll be like... Less than two weeks. But from an uncut version from our last episode, I was like, let's do a Christmas-themed episode next time. But then I cut it, because I thought that was probably inappropriate after Mm. the case we did. Mm -hmm. But we took the spirit on anyway, and reset me these, like, Christmas-themed episodes. And the one we're doing today was the least Christmas-themed of them all. But probably the most intriguing... But it is related to Christmas. You did your job, Ruth. Yeah, I managed to shoehorn the Christmas element into this case. The singular thread. Please appreciate my hard work. So today's case may begin at a Christmas party, but it reveals a much darker story without much of the holiday cheer and good spirits that we associate with this time of year. It was December 2004, and Christmas celebrations around Australia were in full swing. In Launceston, Tasmania... Seven-year-old Keely McMahon and her younger sister attended the Launceston General Hospital Children's Ward Christmas party with her mother, Annette, who was a nurse at the ward. It was at this Christmas party that Keely first met Jim Griffin, who was also a nurse on the children's ward. Jim was the life of the party, a charismatic man who was well-respected among his acquaintances and colleagues. For the next seven years, Keely and Jim saw each other at the annual Christmas parties, but Jim also ingratiated himself into the McMahon family. Annette trusted Jim, and her children often shared weekends and holidays with him and his family. Throughout their relationship, Keely respected Jim and thought of him as a friendly man. However, when she was 14, Jim started to treat Keely differently to the other kids. While he used to hug everyone, hugs with Keely started to last a little bit longer, but she just put this down to Jim being friendly. He also became more hands-on in other ways, offering Keely back rubs to help get to sleep when she was staying at his house. Jim started introducing Keely to other people as his, quote, special girl. While she did think all of this was strange and made her uncomfortable, she tried to convince herself that, quote, he was just being Jim, he was just being friendly. In reality, Jim was grooming Keely. 
This behavior escalated in 2011 when 14-year-old Keeley was attending a sleepover with a group of children at Jim's house. The children had been watching movies before they decided it was time for bed. Keeley went to sleep with a number of children in the same room. When Jim came over to where she was laying, it was here, with others sleeping close by, that Jim sexually assaulted Keeley for the first time. The next morning, Keeley woke up and went to the kitchen for breakfast. She met Jim in the kitchen, and he acted completely normally, talking to Keeley as he usually would and going about his day. When Jim didn't acknowledge that anything had happened, Keeley began to question her version of events. She started to wonder whether it was her fault, if she had done something wrong or had provoked Jim, or invited him to touch her in that way. Becoming increasingly uncomfortable, Keeley texted her mum and asked to be picked up. Keeley and her mother had an extremely close relationship, and she would normally tell her mum everything. However, something was stopping Keeley this time. She was ashamed of what had happened and scared that somehow it was her fault. Also, Keeley didn't want to burden the friendship between Jim and her mother. In hindsight. It would be clear to most adults that these concerns were inaccurate or trivial, but Keeley was only 14, so it's not her fault for struggling to speak up. Not wanting to draw attention or cause problems, Keeley continued to spend time around Jim and his family, and it wasn't long before Jim took advantage of the situation again. Six months later, Keeley's family and Jim's family went camping together. During this trip, Jim assaulted Keeley again. Keeley stayed silent about this abuse. But this changed eight years later, in May 2019, when another woman, who has remained anonymous but used the name Alice, reported to police that she had been groomed and sexually assaulted by Jim Griffin from the ages of 11 to 14. Alice and Jim knew each other through Jim's position as a volunteer massage therapist at community netball games in northern Tasmania. It didn't take long for those who knew Jim to become aware of these allegations, and when Keely heard about Alice's experience. She knew she wasn't alone and found the courage to speak up about what had happened. The first person she told was her mother, Annette, who had worked with Jim on the children's ward at Launceston General Hospital. When Keeley told her what had happened eight years prior, Annette went into shock and had to take stress leave from work. Annette says she remembers crying and being filled with a primal rage, and in the heat of the moment, she sent her old friend Jim a text message which read, quote, "How dare you, Jim?" How fucking dare you! I trusted you. My daughter trusted you. She never told me until now because he's such a nice man, and she didn't want to ruin your life. Well, consider it well and truly ruined. Don't bother replying. Soon after this, Keeley made an official statement to Tasmanian police, and just two weeks later, police had charged Jim in relation to the incidents involving Keeley. But she wasn't the only other woman to come forward and speak about Jim after hearing Alice's story. By October 2019. Three more women, making a total of five, had made official statements to police. As an adult, Jim bounced between a few career paths before settling into the healthcare industry a little later in life. Initially, he began as a volunteer ambulance officer for the Tasmanian Ambulance Service, where he stayed for nine years, from 1988 to 1997. After this, he completed a Bachelor of Nursing and later a graduate certificate in Advanced Nursing Pediatrics at the University of Tasmania. He then worked for the Spirit of Tasmania, a company offering boat transfers between Tasmania and Victoria, and the Ashley Youth Detention Centre. Finally, he got a job on the children's ward at Launceston General Hospital in 2001. In all his ventures, colleagues say that Jim made himself indispensable at work, and as a friend, he was described as charismatic and the life of the party. As with Alice, Jim had been using work and volunteer positions to spend more time with children, 
and get close to young girls without raising suspicions. He would be seen as just doing his job, and if any behaviour crossed the line, he had enough rapport with employers to talk his way out of it. Jim also made sure that he was not only grooming the young girls, but grooming their families too, to prevent parents from becoming suspicious, and also to place the girls, like Keely, in a position where they felt as though they couldn't say anything for fear of tarnishing Jim's reputation or ruining his relationship with their whole family. On the 3rd of October 2019, police charged Jim with more than a dozen sexual offences. The charges span across 28 years, beginning in 1987, and involved children as young as 11 years old. During the course of their investigation, police raided Jim's home in Lagana, in Tasmania's north. They seized a number of electronic devices, which were also searched, and found to contain child pornography. A significant amount of illicit material had been downloaded from the internet, but some of the photographs in this collection had been taken by Jim. Among these were indecent images of a young relative, one of his colleagues' children, and others who appeared to be patients in the children's ward at the hospital. Alongside this material, police searched Jim's internet history, where they found that Jim had been posting in an online forum that was frequented by pedophiles and featured information about child pornography and sexual abuse. In one post, Jim was bragging to other forum users about how he would drug young girls in order to sedate them so he could film himself abusing them. At the time, Jim was 69 years old, and after evading the consequences of his actions for around three decades, was now looking at potentially spending the rest of his life in prison. On the 14th of October, Jim was found unresponsive at his home. He was sitting in a chair and there was paperwork and bills organised on the table, along with albums containing family photos and a number of sealed letters to family, which also contained cash. Jim was rushed to Launceston General Hospital, where rumours of his offending had already started to spread to colleagues, who were now trying to save his life. Jim's condition was stabilised, but four days later, he died, without ever regaining consciousness. A long time ago, he had told Ellis, quote, I'll die before going to prison. And the coroner's report confirmed that Jim had taken his own life, stating that he had taken drugs which caused his death and did so with the express intention of ending his own life voluntarily and alone. In the children's ward, news of Jim's death and the charges he was facing began to leak out. Staff couldn't believe that the Jim they knew could be hiding such a deep secret, saying that they thought he was genuine, with one nurse saying, quote, he groomed a lot of us. I think he showed a different side of himself to different people. There is also speculation that there are dozens more who experienced Jim's abuse and have either passed away or are unwilling to come forward. In 2020, investigative journalist Camille Bianchi began exploring claims of institutional failures at various levels, and in October 2020, she released a podcast called The Nurse, which features accounts from other survivors and families. She spoke to parents whose children had been treated on the children's ward while Jim worked there, including those whose children had since passed away from the illnesses they were receiving treatment for. One mother said, quote, We weren't on the lookout. We weren't looking for red flags. We were looking after our dying daughter. That was our focus. It didn't enter our minds that she wasn't safe there. Imagine the horror finding this out after your child has passed away. Mm, thinking that you were doing the right thing, doing everything you could to protect them, to make sure they were receiving care, and to find out that this had slipped under your nose the whole time. And it just shows just how much he took advantage of vulnerable people and people like not only children but like children who are sick like children who are unwell yeah somehow that that just even like that just makes his his morale is already 
on the ground. Mm. Like, it's bad. This just takes it, like, that's just even worse. Like, yeah. he was so committed to what he was doing that he would just completely disregard the, like, state of a child. That was, like, yeah. I don't know, that's, like, some inhuman level of, like, operation, you know? For sure. During his time as a nurse in the children's ward, Jim was often seen as going the extra mile, particularly for vulnerable patients and families, like single mothers or those going through mental health issues. Some even described him as a father figure in the ward. This reputation allowed Jim to slip under the radar of his colleagues, despite behaviour that should have raised red flags. According to information received by Bianchi, there was at least one occasion where Jim was talking to a group of young girls about how to please their boyfriends and how to masturbate. There were other witnesses in the room who simply laughed along. Other nurses reported that they'd seen Jim giving children leg and back massages and taking pictures with patients. He would help children shower without supervision and would carry the girls, still naked, back to their beds from the shower. When parents wanted to spend the night in their children's hospital room, he would appear angry. Bianchi picked up on a pattern of conduct from speaking to a number of survivors. Jim would build trust with young girls in the hospital by showering them in compliments, before moving on to lingering hugs and physical affection. In some cases, like Keely McMahon, Jim spent years building a relationship with the child and their parents before any sexual assault took place. Well, Keely wasn't in hospital. No. She was just, she was the kid of... A colleague. Yeah. I think that is where he would, like, spend more time, like, yeah. establishing this rapport, whereas, like, in the hospital, I think it was a lot more, like, fleeting, because he mm. didn't know those people that well. Yeah, and he also, like, in the hospital, had more access to yeah. them privately. And, yes. like, there's already, like, that established level of trust from the parent as yeah, well. Yeah, being like, well, you work here, so you must be trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Bianchi supposes that for younger teenage girls with lower confidence or self-esteem, this attention made them feel special, and they weren't able to speak out when Jim's behaviour crossed the line for fear of being blamed or not believed by their families, who also felt indebted to Jim. Usually, people who work with children, particularly those who are vulnerable, need to go through a degree of background checks. Most of us listening, at least in Australia, would hold a working with children check. I have one. I have one. They're state run so each state has their own system so if you ever move into state you'd yep. have to get a different one yeah in tasmania these are known as a registration to work with vulnerable people various kinds of these have existed since 2000 when new south wales established the first working with children check but tasmania didn't establish their program until 2014 and jim didn't apply for the registration until 2016 which he received without a hitch during her research, Bianchi investigated the possibility that a formal complaint had already been received prior to Jim being approved for his registration to work with vulnerable people. Man, I know Tasmania is far away and small, but 14 years behind? They were very behind. Holy crap. They're behind on many a thing. That doesn't seem like something you should be behind on. This was, It wasn't just Tasmania. I think South Australia was also quite late, like wow. 2011 what or something. Heck? Yeah. I'm not sure. I think they probably had some system before, yeah. but not like a, a formal like check system. Right. Like you probably could, they, they would have had police checks. You know how you can get a police check? Mm. Have you ever gone through a red light? But like working with children checks are a bit more comprehensive. Like it's not just like police records. It's like any, like has anyone ever made a complaint about you about anything? Like mm. not just your convictions. Nine days after Bianchi's podcast, The Nurse was released. Tasmanian Premier Peter Gutwin announced that there would be an independent investigation into the issues raised by Jim's case, 
saying, quote, We need assurance that the safeguards we have in place today are the best they can be for our health system, and we are committed to ensuring that the policies, practices and procedures utilised by the Tasmanian Health Service now operate in a way that minimises the risk of child sexual abuse. That was a very politician thing to say. Yeah. We need to know that this is good. We are committed to making it good. We will do our best. After an epic failure. Yeah. This prompted a commission of inquiry into child sexual abuse within government institutions and also a separate review by Tasmania Police specifically into the investigation and management of allegations made against Jim. This review found that the first complaint against Jim had been made a decade before he was charged, in 2009, and subsequent complaints were made in 2011, 2013 and 2015. These complaints were made by third parties who had witnessed the behaviour, not those subject to the abuse, and none were investigated by Tasmania police. According to the review, a lack of information sharing between police and other government agencies was the biggest downfall of the investigation. In 2011, police requested more information from the Department of Health, but when it wasn't provided, they ceased the investigation rather than pursuing options to get the information. In 2013, the complaint was dealt with by Children, Youth and Families, a division of the Department of Health, who spoke to Jim and the alleged victim, both of whom denied the allegations. Police didn't speak to either party on this occasion. It was after this, in 2016, that Jim was approved for his registration to work with vulnerable people. So they didn't take into account these complaints that were dealt with by the Department of Health. Which, like, where are you looking when you're doing your checks? you got to look everywhere, right? Wouldn't the, you look at the Department of Health, the Children, Youth works? and Families Division? Yeah, you would think. Things don't add up here. In 2019, after the first complaint was made by a survivor of Jim's abuse, it took three months for police to notify the Launceston Hospital about the allegations against their employee, who was still working with children during that time. As a result of this review, Premier Gutwin offered an apology to all victims of historical crimes that occurred in relation to agencies of the state, particularly where the agency had not handled information appropriately. Further, Tasmania Police have now implemented a specialist investigative and policy team to focus on improving procedures during investigations of child sexual abuse allegations. They have also received an additional $1.5 million in funding to establish a historical complaints review process, which would focus on reviewing existing files looking for potential perpetrators. However, some people don't accept that the government has done enough, including opposition MP Sarah Lovell, who is the Labour Party spokesperson for child protection and safety. Lovell believes that the information covered in the police review wasn't, quote, acted on with the urgency and the seriousness that was required. Opposition parties have called for an urgent review of the working with vulnerable people process, stating that the government shouldn't wait until after the commission of inquiry, which is set to conclude in the first half of 2022. I guess it's this lack of, like, any form of procedure, really, that might have allowed Jim to take those actions before arrest, question mark? Yeah, he definitely... They just weren't... They didn't act very fast. Mm. You know, it was 10 days after he was charged and he still wasn't under arrest. Yeah, it really gives a man time to stew. Yeah. And think about what he can do. Or he'd been arrested and... I'm not sure. I don't think he was out on bail. Like, that seems very quick to be out on bail, but... And, like, interesting that he would have been granted bail, so I just don't think that's the case. I think they just hadn't taken him into custody yet, and he wasn't being watched. And in the meantime, was still working? Still worked for those three months after the complaint? Three months is a long time. I know you need to conduct a thorough investigation into a claim. People can't just, like... You can't just be like, someone did this, and 
you know, it's gospel. Mm. But like, you do need to move quicker than that. Yeah. Plus, especially they... in a sensitive time frame like this. Yeah, and if they look back on literally everything we just talked about, mm. there have already been complaints existent. There's already evidence. Yeah. Lodged yeah. about him. Put his name through the little search thing. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have one of those. I have no idea. I have no idea what is going on behind the scenes here. I don't think anyone had an idea what was going on. <laughs> For a state of not many people, I don't think anyone knows who's in charge. I don't think anyone knows what's going on down there. They're very underfunded. The Tasmanian government is chronically underfunded. I'll give them that. Yeah. I guess it was the state for this to happen in because mm. no one was on his tail very quickly because no one knew how to really. But. Yeah. Underfunded and a generally quite a vulnerable population. They have a lot of like socioeconomic issues, education issues, yeah. health issues, a lot of mm. other things are going on that maybe have taken priority. But yeah. Yeah. Also, like what disgusts me is he continued working at the hospital for three months. But we also know that like... That girl was like, he assaulted me when he was working as a volunteer masseuse at community netball. Mm. So literally, like, we don't even know outside of the hospital work what else he was doing during that time Yeah, to take advantage of children. Yeah. This guy was clearly, like, preying on kids because we know, like, the span of opportunities he's taken from getting to know his colleague's kid to this girl at community netball to the police finding a picture of a young relative. Like he was just yeah everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't just like taking advantage of people at work or like in a specific setting. It was like, he knew how to navigate a bunch of relationships. Yeah. And it seemed like so many of his actions were just driven by this yeah. one desire. Yeah. Like it almost seems like he did that whole graduate certificate in advance, like pediatric care. Mm. seemingly to, like, make sure that he'd be working on a children's ward. In September 2021, two girls who alleged that they were groomed and sexually abused by Jim at the Launceston General Hospital announced that they were suing the Tasmanian Health Service for failing to investigate the numerous complaints against him. These women were under Jim's care during their treatment for eating disorders, and while their lawsuits are separate, they contain many similarities. They alleged that Jim spent time alone with them in their private rooms with the door closed and called them names like baby girl or special girl. He would tell them to keep the abuse to themselves, saying things like, quote, don't tell anyone, that's what friends do, and this is our thing, and this is our little secret. The physical abuse included touching their breasts and bottoms, rubbing their inner thighs and up to their genitals, and one of the women alleges that he would shower her and touch her genitals. One of the women also said that she was often heavily sedated for anxiety and depression. Outside of the hospital, both women said that they would spend time with Jim, having sleepovers at his house and going camping with his family, including one occasion where one of the girls was allegedly taken to a motel, sedated and sexually assaulted. According to the women, they reported this conduct to the nurse ward manager and requested a female nurse, but nothing was ever done. The hospital rejected their complaints and didn't remove Jim's access to the patients. The lawsuits allege that given the complaints received from these patients, as well as complaints made by other patients and staff, that the hospital knew, or should have known, that children might be at risk of physical and sexual abuse by Jim, and that they failed to monitor interactions between Jim and the patients, and failed to properly investigate these claims. As a result, the two women claim that they suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, 
major depression and other issues. They are claiming medical, pecuniary and exemplary damages. Much like the Commission of Inquiry, this civil suit is yet to be finalised, and many survivors are still yet to find the closure they are seeking. Pecuniary just means monetary damages, just the sum of money, and exemplary damages means, so for medical and pecuniary you need to be able to show money that you've lost as a result of this negligence, but for exemplary damages that's more of like a making an example of the person who has wronged you, and it's more of a deterrent, has a deterrent effect, being like, it's like a fine. Right. It's like they haven't necessarily lost that money, but they deserve it because they've been done wrong by this other person. It's like putting it to his name. Yeah. While there can be no criminal punishment in this case, and the current unfinished reviews leave much to be desired, there is still hope. Investigations into institutional sexual abuse, such as that which occurred here, and efforts to implement procedural changes are still ongoing. There are many passionate child safety advocates and survivors of institutional abuse who are working in the community to keep children safe, and hopefully over time, we will be able to learn from these past events, so those who have suffered have not done so in vain. And that's where our case ends today. Definitely a few loose ends that have not been tied up for this one, but hopefully we'll have the results of the Commission of Inquiry in the next six months. But those things can take ages. They can be delayed. They can be pushed back. So hopefully they don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully the government takes that into account. That's the other thing with inquiries, you know? They don't actually have to do anything. Oh, I'm ordering an inquiry. Mm. Oh, I'm not going to listen to anything it said because that's too expensive or too hard. So hopefully it produces some good findings and some practical recommendations. Hopefully it just brings them up to standard. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Calling them out. I know. That's yeah. just below standard. Yes, I agree. And yeah, it seems like potentially maybe in some of the early days of Jim's offending, like maybe in the late 80s or early 90s, potentially governments or police weren't thinking about this kind of thing and so didn't have a lot of procedures in place. But there really is no excuse by like early 2000s. Like, yeah. Especially not all the way up to like 2016, 19, still not having the appropriate procedure in place, not being able to share information between organisations to investigate someone who's potentially a like serial pedophile. It's yeah. crazy. They like never picked up the pace during no. this case. Like they were just terrible at their job un- until yeah. it was past being able to do anything about it. Yeah. And some people, I'm not sure like if how true this is, but like when I was doing my research, some people like are straight up like this is a cover up. Mm. Like this was an institutional cover up, which does happen. Like institutions are kind of like, oh, we don't want this bad press. Mm. Cover this up. But he also like normally when that happens, I still kind of like shuffle the offending staff member out of their role. This didn't, that didn't happen here. Yeah. And we're done for today and we're done for the year. Wow. And if you've made it this far, we probably should have said this at the start, but Mm. we are taking a break. Mm. A little one. I'm going back to Queensland, hopefully, for Christmas. And I'll be here. Helen's chilling here. We're taking it to regroup Mm. and think about where we're taking the show Mm -hmm. and have a break from our bi-weekly production schedule. Yeah. If you would like to stay up to date with our break and with our return date, Mm. which will probably 
be January at some time. Follow us on Instagram. It's where we post all our updates. Yeah. If you have Instagram, give us a follow. If you don't have Instagram, make one and then follow us. We're looking at all of you listeners above 40. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. My mum. Make an Instagram. My mum made an Instagram so she could follow us. So. <laughs> Cutie. Yeah. And you'll, she comments sometimes. <laughs> And you can too. Yeah, you can too. If Riley's mum can do it... Anyone can do it. Anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. She just got a new phone recently, so hopefully she's worked out how to use Instagram on her new phone. Hopefully she's installed it and logged in. Yeah. Hopefully she didn't forget her password. (laughs) Hopefully not. We're just trashing her. Sorry, mum. Love you. See you soon. (laughs) Wish I could see you for Christmas. (laughs) Maybe we'll FaceTime. Yeah, it'll just be a few weeks and Mm -hmm. we'll be back. Also, so we can enjoy the holidays, and you guys can too, yeah. without being bothered by us. By our crime. <laughs> by horrible stories about crimes. Yeah, no bad vibes for you guys. Only good holiday rest vibes. Yeah. And then New Year's resolution to take in more crime content. Yeah. Hopefully. Because we'll be here to serve. Last year, this year, we got 47 number ones. Next year, 4,700. <laughs> Please. <laughs> We're looking to grow exponentially. Yeah. All right. Well, have a happy holidays. Have a safe holidays. Enjoy seeing your family if you're seeing your family. And it's been a long time for lots of us. Mm-hmm. If you're not seeing your family. Enjoy your friends. We'll have a great time on your own. Yeah. And we will see you in 2022. Okay. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.